Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Open them with me to the first to the book of First Peter. I guess I could have said the first book of Peter. Book of First Peter, if you would. First Peter, chapter five. I'm thankful. I hope you are. I'm thankful and I'm grateful for all that uh, our, the Lord has blessed. We have really been blessed in our church family with a lot of people who are able to uh, play instruments and sing music. And I'm really thankful for those of you who are willing to do so and to be a blessing to all of us. And it is wonderful to be able to worship with you as you play and sing. First Peter chapter 5. Brother John read the first seven verses. We're going to look, we started looking at John chapter 5, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 5 last week. We started looking at that. Um, we're going to look at it again today. We're going to continue in the first seven verses. We'll read it. I'll make a couple comments, and then we will look at a couple of uh, specific truths uh, this morning and just see what the Lord has for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care on him for he careth for you. Our Father, as we would look together this morning into this passage, would you cause us to see what great love you have for us? How we need not be ashamed to serve, but how we need not be afraid of the difficulties that are all around us as we would do so. Lord, that you'd fill us with your own power, with this power of your own spirit to make us loving, selfless, caring people. That the Lord Jesus would get the honor and the glory that he deserves in our lives and through our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As we began looking last week, I'm just going to take, I'm going to make, make a couple of points. This morning specifically, I believe the Lord would have us to look at our clothing and our accessories, our handbags, if you would, or our briefcases, however you want to word that. We'll see this together uh, this morning. The elders. So now, again, we're in chapter 5. I don't have to, we really don't have time, and I don't mind taking the time, but if we do it every single week, we have less time to look at what we're looking at together if we go over all the book. But remember, we are talking about the truth 
that God promises that we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory in our everyday life. Now, here, now. This is so very important. It is, it is critically important to you that you understand that God knows that we are living in a selfish and wicked world. That when you were saved, when I was saved, he gave us a new heart. But that didn't change all of those around us that don't have that heart. And even, even those of us that are saved, even those of us that are new creatures, we still have our flesh. We, and because of that, it is possible that we can still fail one another and even hurt one another. It's not possible that our God would fail us. It's not possible that our God would hurt us. Even though our God is the author of things that come into our lives that are difficult for us, they were not brought into our lives to hurt us. They were brought into our lives not only for our good, but I believe really more importantly for the good of those around us who will see us go through these things, see the difference in how we would go through them, that they might come to know the Lord Jesus themselves, that they might recognize that there is a God who is powerful enough to change you and I, our attitude and our actions, and thank God for that. So, now, with that in mind, and that's all we're going to look at earlier, we're going to go right back to chapter 5. 1 Peter, chapter 5. Now, he says the elders, uh, Brother John taught in Sunday school this morning in this room, uh, the beginning of 1 John, he made some first looks at 1 John. First John, we have three groups mentioned, little children, young men, and fathers. The idea is, 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 is exactly as you would expect that it would. It has to do with the maturity level in Christ. Little children, but here's the thing. He pointed this out and it really matters. Fathers need the same things continually that even the little children need. So in other words, even as we mature, even as we are uh, conformed more to the image of Christ and our trust of Him goes up in our daily life, we still need the same thing that the little children need, right? We must always simply trust God as a little child. We, um, it, is, it is very easy to see in the lives of little children how much they trust their mother and father to take care of them. And this is what God would have in our lives, that we would recognize no matter what our age is, no matter what our maturity level would be to each other, that we would always understand, wonderfully understand, that we can say, Abba, Father, Daddy. That we can be, even when we're the grandparents, we can still be the little children. And praise God for that. But this passage is speaking to those who have responsibility. Right here, starting in chapter 5, verse 1, God is speaking to those who are in positions of authority, those who have responsibility. For some of us, this is things that happen when we go to work. For some of us, these are things that we do when we meet here together in the church. For almost all of us, if we do not yet have, we will have at some time uh, authority, some, some level of responsible, uh, responsibility, even some level of power in our lives in the sense that we have to be able to conduct what needs to be done. And so we are able to stand and say, Listen, please hear me because this needs to be done. But what I want you to see is the hard attitude that God would have for those who have any responsibility or authority at all. So the elders which are among you, I exhort. Now, the word exhort has the idea of I call you to my side. This is what he's saying. So the elders which are among you, I call you to my side who am also an elder. So what Peter is saying here is this. 
If you have a position of responsibility, if you have authority and, you are, and, and it is necessary that you exercise that authority, I'd like you to call you to my side so that you can understand what it would mean that we would do this well. Now notice, I, who am also an elder and, and, and why does this matter? And this is probably the key to the whole passage. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. God is very clearly saying right here at the outset, if you have any position of authority or responsibility, you can expect to share in the same sufferings that our Lord Jesus shared in when he was here on the earth. You're not going to be able to minister, to serve, to, to be in a position of authority without the suffering that Christ himself had. Again, why is this true? And here's why. Well, because most people around us are lost. And even those around us that are saved, even we ourselves that are born again, we are still going to be difficult for each other. We, now, I can say this honestly. Um, I, I can say this very honestly, actually. I think the thing that I care more about now than ever in my life is that I not unnecessarily, that I not hurt anybody unnecessarily. In other words, if I have to speak to you as a pastor, if I have to use the authority of the pastor, that I would do so for your benefit and not for mine or for what it would look like or for what other people would think, simply to be a help to you. We see this. We looked at it. We went back to look at it. We looked at it when the Apostle Paul said to the church at, at, Corinth, at, at Corinth, listen, I don't want to come and talk to you like this. There's changes that God wants to make in your life. You've already been told what they are. Please let God make these changes. Please let him make these changes. I don't want for us to be together when I'm having to uh, rebuke you, when you can simply let God, the Holy Spirit, accomplish what he's already making clear to you. So here we see this, that we are witnesses of the sufferings of Christ. And then he says this, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. There's a glory coming. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll see how, in humility and simplicity, and there is coming a time when there will be an actual exaltation. We see that also in this. So the glory that shall be revealed. Then we looked at this last week. We're not going to spend time on it today. Three things. Feed the flock, right? Feed the flock, taking oversight, and being examples. That's verses 2 three and, 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 well, two and three, really. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So here's what he says. Feed the flock and look over. Take care of those that God would give you responsibility. Don't do this because you must, but because you want to. See what it says here? Not by constraint, don't do this because someone else keeps forcing you to do it. If you're really going to serve, you're going to have to be a willing servant. If you're a servant that must continually be checked up on, you're not really being a servant. In other words, your heart is not in it. Your mind is not in it. Missionaries can't go to the field and, be, and, and do well because their mission board checks on, up on them or their home church checks on them or all the churches that are partnering with them check up on them. They must simply be willing to go and serve and minister and love the people that God sends them through, to. The same thing is true in each and every one of our lives. Whatever it is that God would call you to do, you must simply say this, I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord. 
as a servant. I'm just willing to do this. So I'm not constrained. And by the way, it says, willingly, not for filthy lucre. In other words, not for what you're going to get out of it, but of a ready mind. I, I simply, boy, God help us all. Really, God help us all. I simply want to be a help to you. I'm a nobody. We're all nobodies. God has called me to minister in lives, and I am glad to be able to minister into your life. And that's it. It's just that simple. Neither is being lords over God's heritage. Um, I don't expect I have to go too far into this. We've all met pastors or religious authority, people in religious authority, who really came across as if you were there for them. And that's just not the case. You're not here for me. I'm here for you. Not as being lords over God's heritage. Praise God, it's his. Amen? It's his. You're his people. You're his children. He loves us. And those of us, anybody who has a position of authority, anybody who's the elder being spoken of in verse 1, any one of us who has any responsibility at all, we're to realize this. These, this belongs to God. We are what? Examples. We're, that's all we are. We're just examples. Please walk, each one of you, please walk in such a way that those who are watching you walk would be doing well if they followed that kind of a walk. Do you understand? Please walk with God in such a way that those of, that, of those that are watching your life would be able to follow that pattern and the Lord Jesus would be glorified because of it. That's all we can hope for. The best we can hope for as servants, the best that we can hope for as ministers is that we would say what the Bible says and that we would live as the Lord Jesus would have us to live. That those who would hear us and those that would see us would say, ah, I would like that. That's what I would like. I would like to be like that. I want to walk the way they walk with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus like that also. God help us to be able to have that, ha that hard attitude. And then it says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear. And when the chief shepherd shall appear... You know, we, we joke about the fact that we don't give out gold stars at Tidewater. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do a lot of public acknowledgement when you do something wonderfully well. Um, because I think if that's why you're doing it, you probably ought not do it. Right? If you're doing it so that I would stand up here and say, at a boy or at a girl, that kind of a thing, then we're probably doing it for the wrong reason. But it is really fascinating, isn't it? When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Isn't that amazing? So listen, as we humbly serve one another, as we selflessly come and serve one another, when Jesus comes, there's an actual crown that comes as a result of this. Now I know we've all been, we all got to go to the, to the end, right? We've all looked at the last book of the Bible. We've seen where all the crowns end up, right? All the crowns that are bestowed upon whatever things that we have done well, we will receive those crowns, and I believe we'll receive them very humbly, I'm almost like, yeah, I don't really deserve this. But I believe we'll be aware. I did say yes, and you did make use of this vessel, and I'm thankful that you did, and I gladly received this crown. And now let me do what, what, what should happen with this crown. Let me cast it back at your feet. Amen? I know I've said it a lot of times, but crowns look better at Jesus' feet than they ever would look on your head or mine. Amen? 
But he's the one that's going to give them. He's going to come and say, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for helping those children. Thank you for helping those in the nursing home. Thank you for doing the thing, meeting the people in the brig, in the jail, in the union mission. Thank you for teaching your Sunday school class week after week. Thank you for staying up late on Saturday night when you've had a busy week to, to study your session, to get through your lesson, to be ready to meet the children in the morning. Thank you for all of that. And here is a, a, an actual crown, right? You shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And now, by the way, the idea of fadeth not away means that it's a, of precious metal, right? We've talked about this before. Uh, silver and gold, they do not rust. Now, what's interesting is God calls silver and gold corruptible metals. And they, are, and they are two of the most incorruptible metals on the entire planet. But compared to eternity, they are still corruptible. So God's going to give a, a crown that is of better material than silver and gold. It will not rust. It will not fade. I don't think we're going to wear it, but it's still going to be wonderful. You're going to get it. It's going to be beautiful. And you're still going to cast it back at the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one that deserves it. So now going from there, likewise. So we're talking about our activity, our actions toward each other. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the, to the elder. Yea, and there, you might want to circle this, right? Take your pen out and circle this in your Bible. All of you be subject one to another. So it's easy when you see the beginning of this is those of you that are younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Well, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yesterday, uh, Brother Don Mendonza asked a question. We had a great time, by the way, yesterday. We had our first, uh, we'll talk about this tonight too. Um, we had our first session uh, with the men and boys and, and ladies and girls meeting together. And when the men were together with the boys, uh, Brother Don Mendonza was pointing out that uh, Proverbs chapter 2 says, my son. And so he picked one of the boys in the room who had a father in the room. And he said, uh, if your father asked you to do something, would you do it? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, if I asked you to do something, would you do it? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, well, why would you do what I asked you to do? And he said, out of respect to you, sir. And uh, he said, okay, well, I guess I am kind of somebody that you do respect. So, but that doesn't help my point that I was trying to make. <clears throat> he said, well, what if I asked you to turn that table? There was some table that had coffee and donuts and stuff on it. What if I asked you to walk over and flip that table over? Would you do it? And it was really funny watching the young man. He looked at him. He looked at his dad. He looked at the table. He looked back at him and he said, no, sir, I don't think I would. And, uh, and he said, well, if your father, never mind, your father would not ask you to flip that table over. <clears throat> the point he was making is this. When our father asks us to do something, because of our confidence in our father, we would say yes. We would be able to do it. But a stranger, we would consider what they said, put it through the word of God first, and then decide whether or not we can do it. But when our Father speaks to us, we don't have to put it through the Word of God because when our Father speaks, it is the Word of God. So when God speaks to us, we can simply say yes, knowing that He knows what He's doing in our lives. But it says here, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Now, the idea in the very fabric of an elder, we learned this when we studied First and Second Timothy, in the very fabric of someone that we would have in our church as an elder, it is necessary that they would be trustworthy men or women. So in other words, those that teach are teaching Sunday school, those that are ministering in our church, we don't lay hands quickly on people. We don't just let anybody do anything. You can be involved in a ministry, but you can't oversee a ministry until you can demonstrate that your walk with God is a selfless 
walk with God. You can't be selfish and serve God. You can't be able and willing to hurt other people with the position that God would put you in. You have to be willing to be hurt yourself for their benefit. And so this is what this is making reference to. So you younger submit, but then it says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Now, I said that what we were going to look at together this morning is our clothing in our handbag or our accessories. And here's where it comes up. This, this phrase right here, and be clothed with humility. Let's talk about that for just a moment. If you care to look this up, what you'll find is this word clothed, translated clothed here, the, this is the only occurrence in our New Testament. This is the only time this word is used. Now, the, the idea of clothing appears in our New Testament in multiple places. We're not going to look at them now. But the idea of clothing, clothing has purpose. But this article of clothing has a specific purpose. It says, and be clothed with humility. So let's talk about what this means. The idea behind this is literally an identifying piece of clothing, like an apron. That's the example. If you look this up, I think in Thayer's, I believe that what you'll get is this. Be clothed with an identifying piece of clothing of a servant, like an apron. So here's what it's saying. Now, has anybody ever gone, I, we don't, you know, um, Pat Ruger, uh, for many years when, when he and Angela were here, on Mother's Day, Pat Ruger would announce as he was getting ready to take up the offering where the cheapest meal you could get on Mother's Day was, right? There's a sale at such and such, burgers for a dollar or something like that, right? And we all felt bad for Angela, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and now he said this in, in, in a joking manner. The reason I bring this up is most of, us, most of us don't have the kind of funds necessary to go to really nice restaurants, except for like on an anniversary or maybe on somebody's birthday, that kind of a thing. And even then, it's probably not a really, really nice restaurant. But one of the things you'll find in nice restaurants is the staff, the waiting staff, has identifying clothing on, right? They have, they, they're, they're all dressed in the same identifying clothing. The person who comes around sometime during your meal doesn't have that clothing on, right? Typically, that's either the owner of the restaurant or the person who's managing that site of the restaurant. And when they come around, they're dressed more like you are. Often, they're dressed very, very well. So the point is this. We identify, when you're, when you're sitting there, listen, here, please sit for this matter so much. When you're sitting there at your table, and there's no bread on the table, or you need more water or whatever, as someone walks by wearing the identifying garb of the waiter, you don't feel bad saying, ma'am, sir, could you bring me some more bread? Because you recognize what? That's their job. That's their responsibility. So here's what this passage is saying to us. All of us, right? Because this is what it says. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. So when people come to church, they should find all of us wearing an apron. Do you understand? We should all be wearing modest clothing, clothing that is fitting of being in a church, but what they should find for the clothing of our attitude is they should see every one of us not dressed in superior garbs, not dressed in, oh, I'm a somebody, not wearing the, the bishop's attire, if you understand what I'm saying. Not, you know, one of the things that somewhat puzzles me, and, 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 I, and I need you to understand, hear me well when I say this, it somewhat puzzles me is why pastors dress like this all the time, or most of the time. I don't understand it. If we're really servants, we should just be wearing, uh, you know, like a polo shirt and khaki pants, right? 
When I go to the hospital, sometimes I feel embarrassed for some of the members of our church because if I visit you in the hospital and there's another pastor there, they're dressed in a jacket and a tie and I'm wearing a polo shirt and khaki pants. But, but, but I'm not a CEO. Do you understand? Pastors are not businessmen. That's not what we're called to do. When I worked as an engineer, this is the clothing that I wore as an engineer. You know, I traveled as an engineer back in the, in the late 80s and into the 90s. And when I would go, show up at the airport, often... They would say, Mr. Pearson, we have, a, uh, we have an, uh, a, a seat in first class. Would you like us to upgrade you for free to sit in first class? The reason for that is because this is the way I looked when I walked up to the counter. And, and they just wanted, I was also had hair and was not as heavy as I am right now. So they wanted me to be sitting in, in one of the seats when, when, they, when people got onto the plane. And so they would do that. And that's fine for a senior engineer, but not for a senior pastor. And not for those of us that are teaching Sunday school. If you're teaching Sunday school, if you're teaching on Wednesday night, if you're going to the jail or the union mission, you're not a, you're not a somebody. You're a servant. And the garb that people should see when they visit our church on all of us is the apron. You know, what's interesting is uh, Crown College, when, when people graduate from Crown College, does anybody know, probably many of you know this, they give them what? Anybody know? A towel. They give them a towel. A white towel. The idea is it's the towel to wash the feet of your brethren is the idea. The idea is to recognize you've graduated, you earned your bachelor's or your master's or your doctorate. Here's a towel because you're a servant. And it's important that we realize this. This is so helpful, isn't it? Because God is talking to all of us, but it's in the context of those who are in positions of authority. I don't know why churches, I, I do not know why, I do not know when it happened, I do not know how it happened, but it was true already. When I was saved at the age of 22 and started going to church, it was true already that people who had um, positions like the one that I'm standing in right now, that they had this, um, oh, I don't know what the word is, kind of an aloofness to, to them. And their children did. And their families did. God help us. God set us free from all of that. To just be able to recognize that whatever authority, and there is authority. He's very clear in this passage that if you're teaching Sunday school, you do have an authority in the room. But what's the point of the authority? And the purpose of the authority is so that you can quietly help the people that came into the room, right? I'm looking, Travis is back there. Travis is a teacher in the public school system. So Travis goes into his classroom to teach. Travis must have authority in his classroom, right? Right? I don't know if he does or not, but he must have it, right? And if he doesn't have it, then he spends all of his day babysitting, not teaching. Do you understand? But he isn't there with a, with a crown on, with a glorious robe on. He's their teacher. He's there to help them. He's there to pour his life into their life. Amen? That's what we're here for. That's what God is saying. And here's why he says to do this. Because God resists the proud and gives grace. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's raise our hands here. How many of you need grace? All right. Then how many of you are aware you ought to be wearing an apron? Right? Right? You can't, you can't be a somebody and get the grace of God. A somebody only gets what they earn. A servant is given by their master everything that they need to do their job. Amen? Right? It's not the waiter's responsibility to make sure the food is bought 
and ready to be cooked and prepared and served to us. It's just the waiter's responsibility to bring me the food, amen, and to go get the water and the bread that I asked for. That's all their responsibility is. It's the owner's responsibility to make sure that the restaurant is run well, that everything, and guess what? Praise God, it's Jesus' responsibility here. You understand? All the authority and power that anybody has in any classroom is delegated by the one who's actually in charge of everything, the chief shepherd, amen? And when he comes, he's going to appropriately and properly give out those crowns that we were talking about. Humble yourselves, therefore. Because God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under, right? Under. Boy, praise God, we are under the mighty hand of God. Not only is this a shield to protect us, this is the authority over us. Again, and when anybody ever says, any, you know, teacher, that was a great Sunday school class. The, the easy answer, the very easy answer is this. That's a great passage. Amen? When people say to me, Pastor, that was a really good message. My answer is, that was a really good passage. You want to know why? Because it was a really good passage. Because the word of God is quick and powerful. And all we want to teach our children, all we want to do in the Sunday school, all we want to do in the morning message, the evening message, is that you would have more and more confidence in the word of God and in the God who gave us his word. Amen? So here's what he says. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. And the idea is lift you up, that you humble yourself now under the mighty hand of God. And when it's time, he is actually going to raise you up. I promise, I really don't know exactly how this looks, but I really believe that when God picks your time for him to honor you in front of everyone for the service that you have done, I do not believe that we're going to stand there like this. It's my turn now. I do not. I believe we will receive it with, with just tremendous recognition that I didn't do this, Lord. Left to myself, I was puffed up. Left to myself, I was arrogant. Left to myself, I was selfish. But you so changed me that you actually made me a servant. And now what you give me, I receive with the same gratitude of the changes that you've already made in my life. This is the victory of God in Christianity. What God is doing in the midst of our lives is to change us from selfish, me, me, me people into servants that just care about the people around us. That's what God is doing. And I'm thankful for this. Now, here's the thing, this is, and this is it. We're, we're, this one last thing to talk about, and it's our accessories. It's casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, this is a really, really wonderful verse. This verse 7 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter is a really wonderful verse, but it's even more wonderful in its context because what it's talking about is this, the care of the servant, the care of the one wearing the apron, now, how many of you are responsible on some level to minister to somebody else? Raise your hand if that's true in your life. Just go ahead and don't have to be ashamed. Just raise your hand. All right. How many of you have ever had a sleepless night because of it? Anybody want to raise their hand for that? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Just go ahead and raise your hand. The problem, the problem with ministering is we feel the weight of the lives of the ones that we're ministering to, right? This is the, this is the, this is the, I mean, honestly, this is why I don't like, I really, this is the thing about being a pastor that I like the least, is that when you and I talk, when you leave, you don't really leave. Because whatever the weight is that you shared with me when we talked, I carry it after you walk away. 
And I don't say that to brag, because God knows I'd love to be able to put it down sometimes. I would love for you to come and pour out your heart to me, and me to nod my head and say, oh yeah, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, and you walk away and me just say, you're putting that right here. <laughs> Not carrying that thing around. Amen? But we care for each other. And if we don't care for each other, we have no business ministering to each other. So we care for each other. And because we care for each other, there's a um, care, right? That's what the word is right here. Casting all your care upon him. Now, I talked about God wanted us to see our clothing and our handbags or our accessories. And this comes in the idea of the word casting. <clears throat> this word casting, the word to throw something, there's a, there's a word in your Bible for the, to throw something. There's a word in the, in the, in the Bible for, for, um, for lofting something. This word right here has the idea of throwing over. Something. It really has only one picture in mind, and this is the picture. Casting all your care upon him. So picture this, and this is how it looks. I've, I don't ride horses. Anybody ever ride a horse? Ride a horse? Okay, anybody ever put in, anybody ever throw a saddlebag over a horse, right? If you've ever thrown a saddlebag over a horse, okay. Then you guys understand this on some level. I, you know, to me, I can just see it happening, right? I was watching something the other day. It was like an old, old Western, and, and they were putting, you know, they were putting bags of gold, Okay, On, onto this horse. And so there, was, there were two bags with, with a strap between them. And that's how you have to do it. You can't, throw it can't, can't put too much weight on one side of a horse. You got to put an even amount of weight on the horse. So they throw it over on both sides. And here's the thing. They put all of this weight on the horse. And then you know what they did after that? They got on the horse. Right? They threw all of this weight that they couldn't, that they were barely able to get onto the horse. And then they got on the horse. And guess what the horse did? Walked away. Actually, trotted away. I was like, man, they're strong. That's exactly the picture. Now, by the way, I would not make this reference if it weren't for the fact that God makes this reference. Because God himself is making himself to be a beast of burden here in this passage. This is what he's saying. Boy, I'll tell you what. Can you picture this? Listen, can you picture us not wearing our apron Walking around in our fine clothes like we're a somebody and at the same time carrying this huge, heavy bag of weight of the care of the ministry that God has called us to. And I believe that if you could spiritually see the average church uh, person who's doing work in the church, you would see them not wearing an apron like they should be and yet carrying a weight that they're not supposed to carry. So listen, this is such a wonderful thing. Instead of your suitcase or your handbag being, and by the way, um, this is the simplest way to picture this. How many, okay, I know this answer. How many of you remember your first child the first time you left the house with your first child? Anybody remember that? When, before we had Amanda, when my wife and I were going to go somewhere, we just went somewhere. When we, after we had Amanda and we were going to go somewhere, we prepared to go somewhere. Amen? Right? And, this, and it's funny to watch, you know what I'm saying? Here's what happens when you're, when, when you're, now when you get to be our age, and Matt and Amanda come to the house, and they bring Charlotte in, right? In a little while, they're going to bring Charlotte and Portia in. And this is what it looks like. It looks like they're moving in. Right? I mean, there's all this stuff, all these bags, and all these things to carry. I mean, I mean the average diaper bag weighs like 700 pounds, right? Right? It's amazing. It's like, we're just going to the store. You know what I'm saying? You never know. You never know. We might, and by the way, if you've ever gone to the store and not taken that, you're going to need something that's in that bag. Amen? This, this is what I think we look like when we're serving God 
we're carrying, but we're carrying unnecessary weights. We are carrying, now listen, this is something the Lord just really speaking to my heart more and more about this. Ronnie Jacobs, is, you know, I mean, he made this reference a long, long time ago. I bring it up every now and then because it really helps. He, he says this, I used to be up all night long trusting God. I used to be up all night long trusting God. The point is, if you're up all night long, you're not trusting God. Because he gives his beloved rest. He gives his beloved sleep. There's a burden. There's an apron's clothing as we serve. And there's a burden that goes with it. But the burden, you don't have to carry. You don't have to carry it. But you do have to cast it on him. You have to throw it on him. Well, how do you throw it on him? And the answer is easy, prayer. Listen, you can't just put the burden down. You can't. You're not allowed to. It's, it's, it's the soul of someone that God is allowing you to minister to. It's the heartache that they're going through. You can't just put it down. They must receive the help they need. Amen? But here's the good news. You can get on your knees and you can throw this over God. By the way, the word care here actually means anxiety. It means to be nervous about something, right? Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, right? It, what it means is this. You and I should not be Martha. We don't have to be Martha. We are inclined to be Martha. If we're serving at all, we're carrying weight we're not supposed to carry. And he invites us, throw it over me instead. Throw it over me instead because I'm so much stronger than you are. And if you think a horse is strong, well, our God is a lot stronger than that. By the way, our God, now this is important. So here's the thing. Um, you know, Kenny, Kenny was not doing, you know, Kenny was going through some physical difficulty a little while ago, and, and I would ask him how he was doing, and he would tell me about some tests coming up and everything. So here's the thing. So because of this relationship that we have, and he would share this information with me, now I have two things that I can do about it. I can either worry about Kenny all the time, or I can talk to God about Kenny for Kenny. Amen? Those are the only two options that I have. Or, well, there's a third option. I cannot care. I can just put it down. Yeah, thanks for telling me that, Kenny. I don't care. Right? But if you don't care, you're not a minister. But if you are a minister and you do care, you don't have to carry it. You can get before God and say, Lord, you have to carry this. Kenny, the servant that you love, my dear brother, is going through this. Lord, you love him. You help him. Amen? Now, here's the remarkable thing. You'll remember this. And you'll pray about it again. And that's fine. Just pray about it again. I have, this is my problem. I'm pretty good about praying the first time something comes to my mind. The problem is the second time it comes to my mind, I start trying to fix it. Right? Anybody else like that? Right? I know what I can do. And God says, oh, whoa, 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 slow down there. Give it to me. I got it this time, Lord. I gave it to you last time. You obviously wanted me to do something with it because you brought it back up to my heart. So now I'm going to worry about it for the next month. Amen? Don't. Don't. Now here's the wonderful thing. It says, casting all your care upon him, all of it. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because, the word for is because, because he cares for you. Different, completely, this care is a completely different word. Still the idea of care, but it's not anxiety. He cares, he guards you. He garrisons you. He protects you. He knows that the burden for that soul that he gave you is too great for you, but he wants you to share it with him in prayer. So what is the suffering, right? Because Peter's saying, the elders among you, 
Let's go back. Let's look at it, right? Right back in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. There is suffering in the ministry, but our suffering is meant to be brought to God in prayer. Now, let's stop. Let me, let's say I don't always give an invitation. How many of you would say as we hear this, this has helped me. I don't have to carry this anymore. Raise your hand if, honestly, this has helped me. Now, how many of you would acknowledge I am anxious when I could pray instead? Raise your hand if that's true. Now, how many of you would say this? I am inclined not to heed this to my detriment later on. Raise your hand if that's true for you. Because it is for me. Not as many of you raise your hand. It is true for me. I, know, I mean, I've known this passage for a long time. And I'm still liable to do this, what Brother Ronnie said, and that is this, stay up all night long trusting God. Because I think I'm better or more important than I am. That's why we do this. I can't give it to God. It's too important to put down. You're not putting it down. You're throwing it on Jesus. Who's, more, who's stronger, you or Jesus? Who's better able to deal with this, you or Jesus? Let's be honest about this now. Well, let's talk to him about it. So here's what should happen. Here's the invitation that God is giving us. If you're serving others, pray about it. Always. Right? Mike. Mike's here today. No third leg. Right? Right? No cane, no nothing. He's not leaning on anything. He walked in today. That's an answer to prayer, and it was encouraging to me to see it. Amen? Yes? But it was an answer to prayer. Not, not anxiety. Because it's been hard, right? And we care. We do care, right? We do care. We, there are people who aren't here right now. Why are they not here? It's not because they're apathetic. They're in too much pain to be with us. And so they're not able to be here with us right now. And we pray for them. Now, let me ask you this. This is going to be the invitation. How many of you would say, preacher, I, I, I hear what this verse is saying, or this passage is saying, and it is very clear to me that I should be wearing the apron of humility as I serve God. Just raise your hand for that. It's very clear to me I should be wearing the apron of humility as I serve God. And I want to wear that apron of humility and serve God. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. I just want to wear the apron of humility and serve God. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's true for you. All right, great, that's great. Well, that should, that should be good for our church. Now, here's the second thing. And, I, and I'm going to commit myself to stop worrying about things and start praying about things more often. Go ahead and raise your hand for that. This is a big deal. This will change our church. The power of prayer is remarkable. The power of worrying is terrible. The power of worrying is real, it, but it tears you down. Instead, you can go boldly to the throne of grace and talk to the God of the universe and leave it with him. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you've shown us this morning right here in 1 Peter chapter. 5 verses 1 through 7. Lord, that you would have us to, to minister in humility with an identifying garb of that apron and that you would not have us to be anxious about it. That we would serve you not in our own ability, but in yours, casting all of our care on, not just toward, on you. Lord, there is a word to throw something toward people. And this is not that word. Lord, you have made it very clear. You do not want us to just throw things toward you. You want us to actually hand them to you. 
throw them over you in a very real sense, and you are able to carry these burdens. We thank you that you are so strong, and we thank you that you are so loving, that you guard and garrison us so much that you promise to protect us from ourselves and even from the burden that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to enter into the suffering of your ministry and yet giving us a way to, to, to give that suffering back to you. Thank you, Father, for these things so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would.